sometimes I'm CEO and maybe 10 minutes later I'm the apprenticeship because I have to pack boxes. First of all, the colors are ugly, nobody's gonna buy it. And second, it's too expensive. We are startup, we are still not profitable. We do now on a good day more than in the 2016 in the whole year. Topline solves all problems. Looking back, I think we would have done better if Welcome to Sports and Outdoor Mentors. In this episode, I chat with Franz Bittman, the founder and CEO of Namuk, a kids' skiwear brand founded in 2016, just outside of Zurich, Switzerland. Today, they employ 25 people, are sold globally through their website, and have almost doubled their sales every year since launch. We chat about life before Namuk, the challenges of finding balance between professional and personal life, and also the opportunities and challenges of leading a purpose-driven business, plus much, much more. Before we jump in, I have one favor to ask. Please hit the subscribe button. This helps us to grow the channel and continue to elevate the content and bring you more insights from even more amazing leaders within the sports and the outdoor industry. So thanks for your support and enjoy the episode. Franz, so before all of this, before Namuk, I know that you founded and developed the brand Eleven, the snowboard brand, um, and had great success there. And then the snowboard uh, market slowed down. Um, so you refocused on Namuk. But are there any lessons that you took away from that experience with Eleven that you put into practice here at Namuk? Yes, I mean, I founded Eleven just after school and it was kind of a hell of a ride, I would say, without any money, nothing. So we just grew. And at the end, um, we served 300 doors in 17 countries. We were pretty young, 26, I would say. And yeah, what I, t I took away is that I wouldn't bootstrap anymore because I mean, I think these days then it was a really hype of snowboarding. You could do whatever you want and you made some money and everybody had success. But looking back, I think we would have done better if we would have had more money, but more pressure for sure. But when I found that Namuk for me, it was uh, crystal clear that uh, we need more money because these days, as it's a little bit different, you're either small e-com probably, just do your small business or you're big and there's not much in between. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that, so, so how did you manage that at the start of Namuk? So did you go out for external funding to help at the start or did you again start just yourself? I think what really helped a lot was that because we had no money at 11, we were really creative, like did some creative stuff here without money here without money that and this helped a lot after we sunset 11 I kept the company and then it was kind of I, I didn't know what what to do we had already two kids and I was at home and thought oh what's I gonna do and I didn't realize that the, the, the knowledge from 11 uh, has a lot of value so a lot of bigger brands came up and asked me hey can you come here and help us here because I'm more of a generalist. I'm not a specialist. I can do design, yes, but not. I'm not the best designer. I can do finance, 
but I'm not the best finance. So I have like a holistic overview, how to run a company. And if you go into bigger companies, then you have a lot of specialists, but nobody take care from the beginning of a production until you sell it. So this was a kind of a, a, a I understood that this, this has a lot of value. So I used to work for bigger brands, do design, consulting, run productions for them. And this helped me a lot founding Namuk. And then one customer I had, he came up and told me, hey, uh, I would love to invest into Namuk, kind of a seeding round. It was a lady and she carried us between 2016, which was the funding, founding of Namuk until 2019. And in 2019, we needed more money. So we did the first finance round. Okay. Okay, great. And, um, and is that the original investor? Is she still, still involved? Yeah, she's still involved. She believes in the brand. She's doing a great job. I honestly, she has a lot of passion. So we were so small in 2016. I, you just had to invest because you believe into the brand because the numbers were pretty low. We do now on a good day more than in the 2016 in the whole year, which is crazy. Yeah, but that's great. That's a, that's an amazing achievement in a reasonably small period of time. So yes. that's uh, that's great. So you mentioned earlier on that, uh, that at one point you had two kids. Obviously now you have three kids. Um, and obviously a senior leadership role running your own business. So how do you, how do you manage to get that balance right between personal life and professional life? And yeah, how, how do you handle that? I think a really important part is my wife. She backed me up wherever she can. She take care of the kids. She take care of everything. So I'm pretty flexible to work, to travel, to do whatever is needed. I have a theory, a theory, yes. Yep. Um, there are three circles and if you have three circles, they overlap, but if you have four circles or dots, they don't overlap. So I do a lot of time is family. A lot of time is uh, my work. And the third one is sports and that's it. I don't have any spare time to do other things. So this is, I'm just focused on these things. You mentioned your wife there being a big support I understand she's also actually involved sometimes in the business as well yes she was a big part uh, at the beginning um, she helped with the logo she helped with everything and she's still part of the the company she sometimes she helps um doing the stores or she has some ideas even if I come home with some good I I think their the ideas are great then she she's able to this destroy them or refocus or reshift them within minutes. So she's, she was always a big part and she's still a big part of the success. That must be, it's, you obviously have a very open relationship to be able to, to manage those situations, but working, living together must be also quite tough sometimes, no? It is. Yes, it is. I think. You need a lot of um, passion for sure for the business. She has a lot of passion. I have a lot of passion, but you also need to know where is, uh, who is responsible for what decisions. So I'm responsible for more the business side, I would say. And she, she just have a lot of ideas. This morning she, she gave me something she bought and say, Hey, this would be really cool. 
uh, uh, for women because this is a really a big topic. Everybody's asking, oh, let's do adult clothes. Why you don't do adult clothes? So we're going to come up with kind of a happy mom uh, product and she has always ideas and pushing every day. So I really appreciate that. Uh, that's great. That's great. And you mentioned the, the third circle was sport, you mentioned. And I, I think I read somewhere that you said in the past that for you, sport is not necessarily about fitness. It's more about wellness somehow. Would you, about kind of feeling good and feeling happy. Could you maybe expand on that a little bit? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, no, your translations. So. You're absolutely right. So I, I do a lot of sports or I did a lot of sports even when I was young. So I know that it was really helpful, the competition for my personal development. So when I was a teenager, we did rowing. It was kind of, it's kind of a team sport. You win together, you lose together and you learn a lot about life. And it was always a big part of my, my life. Then I had some um, back injury, which was really bad, like four years. I couldn't do that much sport, but then I came back. These days, for me, it's kind of detox, I would say. If I go running one hour, one and a half hour, then first of all, I relieve a little bit, then it's kind of detoxing, and then after maybe half an hour, the good ideas will come. So sometimes it's one hour running is even better than 30 hours trying to achieve anything and also i did climbing a lot because i think climbing is also um it's, it's a, 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 you need your the whole body you need to fight against yourself you don't fight against the wall so i really like climbing but i at the moment i don't have time to mm. do it that much yeah but also i guess it's fundamentally part of the brand you know from a kid's point of view so maybe if you can talk a little bit about that and why it's so important for you that kids are spending time outside yeah our first son Levi he's now 16 he was really a heavy user he was just sleeping eating or digging some holes outside uh, no matter the weather uh, these days I was as I said I was working for other brands and doing design and run productions and then he came home sometimes 20 minutes later totally wet with ripped clothes whatever so i checked out his clothes and i just found out that because there is a lot of margin pressure on kids clothes that they just use cheap materials bad pro, pro just bad products and he couldn't enjoy nature to his fullest so we had to buy three sets or four sets even to uh, to make him happy to keep him outside so I was checking his clothes and I thought, hey, we can do this better because my belief is that kids need to spend as much time as possible outside to experience nature and also to connect to nature and to learn to love nature because you only protect what you love. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, only protect what you love. Yeah, very true. Very true. Yeah, this is one thing. And the other thing is the mental health thing. I mean... It is, yeah, every, everybody should know it, but I think it's, it's clear that if you go out and you connect to nature, you learn to deal with other kids, you, you, you learn to uh, uh, experience nature, appreciate nature. Um, it helps you to be more creative, more calm. You can be, you be better at school because you've just stay inside and 
it's not as it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think everybody should know, but I, I think a lot of people still, unfortunately, don't even have the opportunity to to kind of experience outdoors and nature. And I also think that the the pressures of day to day life sometimes make it difficult for people to prioritize and find that time. So it's it's great that that's somehow core to to the business. So yeah. I think it's really important. I mean, everybody should have the time. It's always about priorities. And we know or we it's clear that if you, I mean, if you listen to that, it's crazy. An average UK kid spend less time outside than a UK prisoner a day, which is insane. And we just need to gear up kids so that they can go out as long as they want. Who are the people that have influenced you professionally, would you say? My parents, I would say. My father was really dedicated. He he used to work in medicine. And he was working a lot, traveling a lot. But when he was at home, there were only kids, only us. So I think the dedication is important. And I would say my mother, she did it. Even if she don't believe it or she say she did everything wrong, she had a big influence uh, on us. And then, yeah, I met a lot of people in the industry. We, snowboarding was just a bunch of creative people, new ideas. I would say these days, I would say disruptive, the ski industry. So I learned a lot of uh, from that. And also, I really like to read um, biographies of uh, people. Yesterday, the Musk biography came out. I will read it for sure. Even he's a crazy guy. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's leader that influenced me, but we, our parents sent us to the Waldorf school. It's kind of a special school where you, you be more creative, you have more art, you have more music, and they just try to support you where you are good at and don't put you down uh, where you don't uh, or not good that good. I think that helped also a lot. Just focus on your strength and don't focus that much on your weakness yeah yeah which makes sense it's really interesting because it's clear that actually your family are really somehow all super influential for you obviously you've just described your parents earlier on you spoke about your wife your son is somehow the inspiration for the brand so and it, and it's all about you know kids being outdoors so it's clear that family is yeah a strong influence for you which is great to hear yeah, I would say yes. Yeah. Personally, what do you think is your most important role as a leader of a, a growing global brand? I think the role changed a lot in the last um, two to three years, which is not always easy uh, because first of all, it was me and my wife. And then we did all decisions, just, just decide, do it, just decide, do it. And then... We grew a little bit and everything was in my mind, but not written down somewhere. And for me, as I said before, everything is pretty clear. Where do you want to go? But how tell this to the other people, how to involve other people, how to involve the team without telling them you have to do that, you have to do that. Because coming back to your questions about who is influencing you, I think Steve Jobs had a really nice sentence. We hire people that understand their side of the business better than I do. I, I want to hire smarter people. So how to support 
smarter people in their way to understand the brand and bring the brand to the next level. This is a challenge at the moment, I would say, because the team is growing. One and a half year, we were seven people. Now we are 25 people. And to align everybody and to get the thing out of my mind so that everybody understand the brand, where is the direction, but keep them creative, keep them hungry, keep them that they are part of the team, part of the, the, the brand. This is the challenge at the moment, I would say. You said, you know, you've been open that it's a challenge for you, but what are you doing to help yourself and your team kind of address this? I think because we are growing pretty fast, we do not have, or we think we do not have enough time to do this groundwork to set the fundament of the company. So if you start a regular startup with three of your friends, I would say, you sit down, you say, okay, what is your vi our vision? What is the mission? What are our values? And then you route, write these downs and everybody that comes in, you show them here, this is this, this, this. And this was not the case at Namuk because it grew pretty organic. So it was in my mind, my wife, and then some people came in. They were well connected, but it was never written down. And we need to take time at the moment to write this down because everybody interprets it a little bit different. And this is a challenge to take the time because it's not, it doesn't help the top line. Um, but it is very important to grow. And we found it also that when we uh, went to the US two years ago, if the team is remote, it's even more important to have kind of things written down, set here. It is like that. Do you understand it? Do you agree? Can we go in this direction? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so it's, it's really about finding or making the time to, as you said, really put it down on pen and paper, or maybe that's not a good analogy these days, but uh, digitally so that you can then kind of spread the word more easily. Yes. And the balance between these fundamental things and like team building and the other sentence, which is important, top line solves all problems um, or most of the problems. Uh, to find this balance, this is challenging these yeah. days. So when you're, where, you know, as you said, you've gone from seven to 25 people in a reasonably short time. So what are you looking for? What's the, yeah, what's important for you when you're hiring people to join the team? Another challenge, I would say, these days, because um, we're attracting a lot of people which are want to have a purpose-driven business. Maybe they come from a bigger company, they had a good salary, they did a great job there, but at the moment they don't think it's right. The time is also difficult, I would say, at the moment, and they come and say, okay, I want to do something with a purpose. But are these people ready for a startup? Are these people ready to, to have a couple of jobs in the same job? Like, I'm sometimes... I'm CEO and maybe 10 minutes later, I'm the apprenticeship because I have to pack boxes because nobody else is here to do it. And can you do this shift and can you do that? And can you, it's such a wide 
a wider thing you have to do, a wider job description, mm-hmm. which is sometimes a challenge. And even I think the it for me the most important part thing is that somebody's motivated, like mm-hmm. the motivation is here to change something to to dig deeper than others, to be yeah. disruptive and not it is and it is and it was like this the last 50 years so ju- let's just do it like that we're challenging us every day and you have to challenge yourself every day is this the right way is this the right direction is this right what i'm doing it's kind of um it's not an easy task i would say yeah but what i really like is that even everybody's i would say talking about Gen Z that it's difficult to motivate them we have a really great team not only Gen Z but also if you give people a purpose and say hey let's do this let's do that this is their direction we are not perfect we're not perfect everybody has to understand we try we are on our way to be really sustainable we do whatever we can but work every day in this direction this the people are motivated yeah yeah it's not about salary i mean we cannot pay the best salary we are startup we are still not profitable we're really open here uh so the motivation must be to change the world but have you also ever worked with or had the support of a coach or a mentor over your career we start with that i would say half a year ago um how uh, we work together uh with a co- i work together with a coach dominic as well and yes we will continue with that because as said previously you never have the time to sit down two hours and uh, challenge yourself sometimes you need input from the outside so i think yes this is something we need to 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 do more and what's so that's interesting you took that decision reasonably recently so what what drove you to take that decision to decide decide to use a coach or work with a coach i think sometimes because yeah this was always it's always a topic if you do not have the time to act strategically because you're digging below surface there is always something to do then you miss this part and you never have time to to sit together to team events to talk about things to work on the values to what is what does the team really needs what does the company really needs what do we need to do to be successful in two years then you need to take this time but you never have the time so if you work with a coach you he's here he's expensive so you have to take the time and then you sit down okay what is the cha- what are the challenges how do we tackle these challenges i think we are we have a really good investor base i would say which are i would say it's smart money which is the most important thing for a startup and i can call them and we have a wide base and some i can call them and talk about these challenges as well What's your position on hiring people from outside of the sports and outdoor industry? So I speak to a lot of different people, let's say through my day job, and uh, it tends to be quite a heavy contrast here. Some people are, you know, 
no way you know if people don't come to the industry they don't tend to fit other people are if we don't bring in people from outside it can tend to be a little bit the same people just moving around and then you get stuck from an innovation point of view so what's what's your position on this i think you need people from outside the industry because the industry looks very appealing but sometimes i i think it's really old-fashioned so you need people from outside but they need to understand the sports industry a little bit or be at least active and understand why we are doing that if you just hire a person which is which is really good at numbers but far away no connection to nature no connection to the sport no connection even to kids i think it's even hard to motivate these people the good thing these days was because i was working for bigger brands placing really big po's at the producer it was easy for me to just produce 200 really complicated ski overwalls if you just go to the factory if these 200 pieces they say i'm not going to do this but if i place 6000 pieces of another jacket then they say okay i'm going to do this so and then people were telling me hey you have to go to happy to be just go and sell this it's so great it's off it's nice then we went to a couple of stores and the b2b people you know the owner they told us like first of all the colors are ugly nobody's gonna buy it and second it's too expensive nobody's gonna buy it anyway and then we just focus on our own e-com channel so we build up the website do it e-com which is also easy you can do it in the evening pack your boxes send it out and i think this is also coming back to this mindset if there is something new something probably a little bit different in a niche they're not so open to most of them are not so open to do, to try it out and then we grew e-com pretty fast and then you saw namuk everywhere and then b2b came and said okay can we also join the movement can we also be part of the, the brand and now we are happy to work with the best b2b retailers but uh, we just need to focus on the ones that are progressive mm. yeah 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 I, yesterday i was in uh transa um in zurich and saw some product there which was great yes transa is a strong partner they believed in us pretty early and we work close together with them yeah. yes that's uh, great that's great and how did that make you feel at the start when you had those initial discussions and you were what you were rejected what yeah how did you feel about that and what what did it kind of drive you to do first of all i don't care because i knew we got then is it as it is right now if i go to a new we go to let's say basel we say okay we need a store here in basel because we need a store. Then we go there, we don't find the right store or they refuse to take Namuk. Then it's just like, okay, then we're going to sell e-com. I don't care because we have the connection to the uh, to the end consumer. So it's take away a some pressure because we know we are able to sell anyway. But I think it's a balance. A really good B2B partner is really important because they can multiply and they can they are your face and they, they they acquire new customers they tell your story so i think it should be a balance between own stores we have our own stores to show the whole world 
good be to be partners? I would say partner, not like resellers and your own store, like e-com store. So looking back over your whole career, what, what would you say has been your biggest failure and, and what, what have you been able to take away from that? I think to shut down 11, the brand, I mean, we kept the company. This was pretty hard because it, we were young. It was our baby. And the decision took me about two weeks, I would say. And to get over it, it took another maybe two months. But at the end, I think it was the right decision because snowboarding went down so fast. And we were too big to sneak and too small to act globally. So, I mean, if the winter is good in Europe, then you ship all your stuff to Europe. If the winter is good in the U.S., you ship everything to the U.S. We were a little bit too small for that. So I think this was hard. And then I'm not, maybe also I'm not, I never look back that much. I just look forward. So if we fail, we just learn. I think the most important part is that you just do the, the mistake one time and not two times. Yeah, so no no regrets then. So it's not something that you you wish you would have done differently or? I think the most important thing is to listen to other people and you don't need to do it, but you need to listen to it and you need to adapt it and think, is this something from, for us? When the first investors came in at 2019, they told me, told me they said hey we need a finance guy to back the the ramp up and we need sales top line so i we hired dominic pretty early and he take care of the finance now since almost four years and we hired a really good e-com guy uh, simon he took care of the top line in e-com and then we invested also into the b2b side so i think listen to people Think about it, adapt it to your business, and then just follow. Yeah, sounds like good lessons. So how do you, or what's your relationship with technology? Do you, is technology something that you like to use, or is it something that, yeah, is a distraction? No, it's really useful, but it's also addic addictive. Addictive. Addictive, yeah. I see it with my kids, but I mean, without my phone... I cannot live. It's hard. It's really hard. And also, I think you must be aware of the dangerous side and the addictive side and the data side. But if you can use it wisely, and I mean, we have a really, I would say, an impressive tech stack on the, the back of our um, uh, company, also on the website. Um, it's just amazing what you what you can do uh, uh, do with it. Mm, interesting. And are you, are you already exploring using AI? Um, yes, we are exploring that. And we also already, I mean, chat GPT, sorry to say, but it's part of the daily business already. And yeah, we're exploring that. And at the moment, I think we're looking into something also to, to have a better understanding of the ops side, like where do we need what items, which time, and how to optimize the buy, because this is one of the biggest challenge at the moment. 
We have three warehouses in the US, EU, and also in Switzerland, and always the wrong items at the wrong place in the wrong size, in the wrong color. So I think it's really helpful to to, to get help from AI there. Oh, that's great. And the other thing is also with kids, with our kids, the screen time thing, it's a really, really problem. If I look at my screen time, it's incredible high. And I really need to work on that. Namuk is obviously a, a business, a brand that has sustainability at, at the core of everything that you do and also why the brand was actually started. Um, you already touched on this a little bit, but of course, building an apparel brand that's sustainable is already challenging. Building a kid's apparel brand that's sustainable is even more challenging. <laughs> So why was that kind of sustainability, that sustainable approach so important for you? Because did, did you have a similar approach with Eleven? Okay. No, we didn't have. I think, yes, one important point was seeing my son coming home after 20 minutes completely wet. And it's really not how it should be. He should be outside as long as he wants and not get limited to bad gear so seeing that and knowing because when i grew up we were always outside always from the morning till to the evening i was outside and i really wanted to make sure that my son can do the same seeing that bigger brands offer just bad quality was really bad for me and i knew if you want to act sustainable textile in the textile industry should last as long as possible the product because 72% of the CO2 emissions occur during production. So if you produce anything, something, it should last as long as possible. So this was the main goal at the beginning. And then because I'm working in this industry since 25 years now, I had a lot of connections to nice supportive producers so we work very close with Primaloft so we were the first ones could offer biodegradable polyester fleece because we were pushing them really hard at the trade shows like yeah it's good that you do this biodegradable insulation but what we need is biodegradable fleece because microplastic kids clothes you wash along uh, a lot and then the microplastic goes into the water then they say, yeah, we know, but it's hard, it's difficult, we cannot do it. And we were insisting, like, I was, spoke with these guys half an hour, and then they brought in another guy from the US, and he was showing us a, a small item, like, yeah, we work on that, and uh, do you think it could work? Could it be successful? And I said, I'm going to order it right now. Here's your the order, and we're going to test it. So you have to be innovative, you have to be forward thinking and you have to take some risks. Same with YKK. We work with YKK pretty close because they know if we test it, we are fast. They send the zipper to the, our factory and three months later they have a reply from us if it's working or not. So being agile, being at the forefront and take some risk is really important. In the sustainability side, if you do just things everybody else is already doing, we're not developing. So we are always try to be at the forefront and think about what could be the next thing. Uh, that's great. I think for a brand that's still 
you know, it's still in the re in the early stages of its development to to work with a partner like Prima often to be a launch partner for them on a new fabric is great. It's uh, yeah, it's you must be pretty proud of that. Yeah, yes, yeah, that was it was a huge step. But just trust your thoughts, believe in your thoughts, and then just go. And even with the the our uh, pen dash pen we developed together with Cordura, I think we were the first brand doing full Cordura pens, which are soft. And it took took us one and a half year to develop this fabric because nobody believed in it. Then we had to find a factory which is willing to produce only 600 yards because normally they produce 5,000 yards up if the fabric is in a blend. So you have to invest here time, invest time here, then going back and forth and don't stop. I always tell the product team, if anybody say, no, we cannot do it, we just insist. If we believe in something, we just go forward, forward for until we found the right partner. So I think this is a um, something different to the bigger brands where you have a lot of margin pressure and then you just stop. If two people say, no, it's not possible, we cannot do it, then you just say, okay, it's not possible, let's move on. But we, if we believe in something, we say, okay, we believe in that and we're going to make it happen. Great. That's great. You touched on um, the fact that the product is obviously very durable for the for the many of the reasons you've just said. Now, somehow in kids' clothing, obviously the kids, depending on the, depending on the child, you know, they're wearing the product for maybe a year maybe if you're lucky two years. So how do you handle that, that, uh, kind of after use part, are you offering any kind of services or support to enable the people that have invested in the products in the first place that maybe 12 months, 24 months later, no longer fits that then they can still benefit from that durability because the last thing you want, of course, is for somebody just to throw it away. Yes. Uh, we, two years ago, we launched our reuse program. It was also a, a good example how we act or how fast we act. I, I went to Simon, which is the e guy, and I told him, hey, we need a buyback program. We need a reuse program. And first of all, I have a lot of on the table. I cannot, we cannot do it. We have to do this, 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 this. I said, okay, I understand. Let us say what is really important to do. Okay, this is important, which is not important. So within five months, we had our reuse platform live. And it was, I think we started in January and mid of July, we were live. And in the first months, it all, it always, it already had 20% of our turnover was through um, reuse. And since then, it's a revenue part. It's a part also to tell people, hey, yeah, maybe our pen is a little bit more expensive than the competitors, but... You can send it back to us and you get money back. You, you get a, a voucher to buy again. Yeah. And for us, the educational part is also really important. Like if you buy a Namuk pen and it's more expensive than the pen from other competitors. But I think this is also an educational part. We have to um, educate people, buy less, but better quality 
A Namuk pant, which costs a little bit more than the competitor ones, is in the long run cheaper than buying three other pants, which will be destroyed within three weeks. Yeah. So it's kind of invest into clothes, invest into cars, invest into good quality, then just buy as cheap as possible. Yeah. Yeah. You've already touched on some of the... Well, in fact, you used the word partnership when you were referring to your B2B partners, customers. You used it also when referring to people like Primaloft. So, and I think my perception is that in a business with sustainability as a cornerstone, those kind of collaborations, partnerships are vital to to innovate, to be able to develop new things. How would you, what advice would you give so anybody in working in the industry to to develop those type of partnerships to to benefit from collaborations? I think if you're small, as we are still, you have to add, bring added value to your partner. I mean, both of them should benefit. So we were, I don't, I think it was four years ago, our turnover was small, but I, I knew we have to do ski helmets and ski goggles. So we choose the best ones. We always choose the best. Lova is a partner, Primaloft is a partner. Giro was our partner back in the days. So we went to Giro and I thought, what can I offer to them that they collaborate with them? So we went there with a Finnish concept already, like, hey, we like this helmet, we like these goggles, but we think we can bring some added value to your collection. So we were able to design our own line and it was the best selling item globally because it was a different color palette adding to their existing sporty palette. So they really like it. If we went to Lova, we say, okay, we really like the quality. We like your shoes, but we believe that we can bring you new customers with our color palette. Then they trust us and we did the collab and it, it's still really successful. If you go to Primaloft, sorry, if you go to Primaloft, you tell them, okay, maybe we're not the biggest, you're not going to sell 500,000 meters, but we can test it. We are fast and you have within three months, you have an answer from us if it works or not. Uh, it's really interesting. So the, the relationship with Giro and, uh, and Loa there. They're, they were collabs or are they, are they Namuk branded products that they're making for you? How, how's that working? Yeah, it's kind of a collab. I mean, with um, Lova, it's how uh, we do the design. We take the best selling items, which is the Cody shoe and the Inox. We do the Namuk design. We design it the Namuk way and they sell it through their channel and we sell it through our channels on a global level. So you've clearly made a lot of decisions to bring the best product you can to market, um, but also you've been very open about the fact that despite the growth from a profitability point of view, there's still work to be done. So if you knew you wouldn't fail, what would you do differently to what you're doing now? Again, I think it's important to listen to other people and try to adapt, try to get the essence out of the what they are saying. So to keep a balance between growth 
do a lot of products and keep focus. I think this is a thing that I need to work on because I have a lot of ideas. Uh, always we can do this, we can do that, let's try this, why not this? Here is some revenue probably, but at the end it's most important to keep focus and mm -hmm. there I need to work a little bit on. Okay. But I have a good team. People are coming to me say, very nice, but let's keep focus on that. But that's interesting that you're you're obviously aware of that. So I think that's a, that's half the battle, though. I think it's like they say about, you know, if being an alcoholic, it's, you know, being able to hold your hand up and say, I'm an alcoholic is, is half the half the battle. So that self-awareness is a, yeah, a good trait. Yeah, but I think without a lot of ideas and thinking out of the box and being disruptive, we wouldn't be here where we are. If I wouldn't do the reuse and just say, hey, we do it no matter how and why, we wouldn't be here where we are. If I would listen to people and say, okay, the colors are ugly and your products are too expensive, who's going to buy a rain jacket for $200? we wouldn't be here because you have to believe in your ideas. But you have to find out pretty fast if they can turn into something big or not. So try out, try, and if it's not going to work, stop it. Don't invest into things that are not working. A good example is rent. We're talking about rent since two years. It makes sense, but we don't have the power at the moment to roll out a whole rent program because then you end up to be a logistic, it's a logistic nightmare. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But my heart say, hey, we have to do it yeah. because attract new customers. Maybe you don't want to buy a jacket for 200 euros, but if you just pay every month 10 euros, maybe it's uh, easier. I think this is the most important thing that listen to the team and try to enable the team to do their best. Sometimes it's difficult because you have the challenges in mind and you don't want to tell them too much like, hey, we're behind budget so better. We do more black pants, I would say. So you want to keep them having fun and do the creative stuff. So the, the balance here is sometimes it's a, it's a challenge. Yeah. But they also, I mean, we are really open. We have like quarterly reviews with the team where they see what are the numbers, where are the challenges, where are we going to. We try to involve the whole team on this journey, but we don't want to uh, frighten them or make them afraid that uh, we're still a startup and we we're, we need funding, so we need to be successful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that transparency is, is good. I think it's important, especially for the, again, for a younger generation. I think it's it's important for people to understand the context that they're working in and living in. And, and I think that then also must empower them as well. Yes, and I think the motivation is much higher I mean, at the moment, we're packing for Monochrome, which will be launched when, so I can talk about this. So the whole team is now downstairs packing uh, so that the boxes will sent, will be sent out this Friday. So I think, I think the team thing is, is really important. Yeah. Yeah. 
all hands on deck to get yes, it done. All hands on deck. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So thinking again about sustainability in the future, what skills or qualities do you think you'll be looking for in future employees to to help you continue develop along this sustainability path? I think if you cannot make money out of this path, it's not going to survive. I mean, we're not a non-NGO, so we have to make money. So we have to find a, a way that sustainability or sustainable products are attractive for a wide range of people. And this is this is going to be a challenge, I would I would say. So is that? Do you think that's going to be? It's it's about people maybe with product engineering or material backgrounds that enable you to to find and source materials that still meet your requirements for sustainability, but are maybe more commercially viable. Or yes, I think it, it's not only product related it's also structure i mean we need to make sure that our products are accessible throughout our relevant markets uh, we lower the prices now compared to a lot of other brands which raising the prices because we have now bigger quantities we have better fobs so we are able to source cheaper a little bit and we give this back to our customers make it more accessible to more people that we need people to run the business i mean to understand how to set up warehouses shipping logistics we need hungry people in the product side we need sales people which are able to sell the, uh, the, the a little bit more expensive items and then i think we also need support from from governments like if you look at norway Electric cars are top five at the moment. Why? Because government is supporting that. So we need support on this side too. Yeah. Interesting. So it's really, it's actually not one area. It's really pretty much across the whole, the whole, whole, all areas of the business essentially. So what's your favorite? So your personally, your favorite piece of sports or outdoor gear? Now, normally here I say that you can't say something that's Namuk, but of course <laughs> you wouldn't be able to say that anyway. So we don't have that issue. For me, things that are easy to do at the moment, uh, it's important because I don't have time to go to the mountains one day climbing. So running is important for me. So I would say a good pair of running shoes, a good jacket is the most important at the moment. What running shoe? What shoes do you run in? Uh, at the moment, I run in on Monster. I really like them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're, uh, it's another brand going through a big uh, big growth phase. It's uh, impressive as well. And what about tech? So what's your favorite piece of technology, either hardware or software? I just, because we moved to Zurich with the office, I just bought a, a new bike. It's, uh, uh, I mean, secondhand from, from, uh, from a good friend. It's a gravel bike with electric shift. So I'm, uh, I would say this is now my favorite tech piece. Okay, cool. Beside my iPhone, which is just a daily, yeah, my daily partner. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. That fits into both then the sport and the tech. Yes. And what book? podcast tv show or film would you recommend for somebody that either works in the industry or 
or would like to work in the industry that you think they should read or listen to or watch? Is there anything that you would recommend? Even he's a crazy guy. I really like the biography of um, Steve Jobs. He's just so much into his products and he's so strong belief in, in this vision to make an item really simple, cut it to the bone, essential. I really like that. So, I mean, for me, my personal personal item I like most at Namuk is like the high-end, super lightweight rain jacket you can pack very small. You don't see, never, no other brand is doing that for kids. So bring out the essence of an item. I think this is this is the, my passion. And he's he, he's like really good in that. Yeah, for sure. But the reference, I would say. Even I would say, he has some crazy sides, which are maybe not that nice. Yeah. Yeah. But I read his his biography within like I think two days. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of the author for that one because there's been a few. But Isaac's exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 The white cover with the, yes. his photo in black and white. Yeah. Yes. I, I really like to read biographies. I just because you always can take something with you yeah so elon musk then is the next one from what you maybe it's a little bit too crazy for me but <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna read it yes for sure what's the most valuable piece of advice you've ever been given coming back to the uh, question before i would say keep focus or better try to keep Okay, okay. And what what do you struggle with? Keeping focus. <laughs> <laughs> that was an obvious answer. <laughs> I think that, yeah, the growth of the company and adding people to the team is a challenge beside budgets and revenue, right channels, e-com, B2B, I think this is the yeah, this is a big challenge. Yeah. And if today was your last day here with your team, if you were retiring, let's say, um, what would your message be to your team? I keep on things you believe in and don't forget the fun. I think sometimes it's a good industry sports, yes. But even with me I sometimes I I lose a little bit fun and then I just reset and say hey it's just kids close it's just bringing kids outside there's so many bigger struggles out there and just keep the fun alive yeah yeah I, I agree but I also agree it's difficult I funnily enough uh, back in my Columbia days a long time ago one of the senior VPs in Portland said to me something very similar. He said, look, Dan, it's just jackets and pants. You know, it's, uh, there's a lot more important things in life. Um, but I think, and I think this is where technology also somehow plays a role. I think we, we get so focused and driven by what we're doing. Sometimes you forget to actually stop and look up and, oh yeah, you know, this is the industry that we're working in. And you know, I got in the industry because I love being outdoors you know obviously the same for you so but sometimes we forget that it's uh yeah 
it's it's not not easy. It's not easy. Yes, and I also think that if you have more fun, you're more successful, or the brand is more successful because even you cannot measure it, you can feel it. Yeah. If people are have fun creating stuff, sometimes it's hard because yeah, top line revenue challenges, supply chain challenges, challenges here, challenges there. If you just see the challenges, the, you lose the fun. So setback, hey, it's just kids' clothes. Let's have fun. Yeah, yeah. And do you, do you do things, do you do activities as a team when you go outdoors? Yes, we most of the activities with the team is outdoors. We go climbing, um, walking, hiking, do stuff together, yes. Great. So if you could give future leaders in the sports and the outdoor industry three pieces of advice... What would it be? What would they be? I would say, yes, the three advice would be set clear goals, believe in these goals, set the goals big enough. At Namuk, we say we want to be there and we believe in that. The second thing is don't listen too much to other people because they know it always better. And the third, I would say try it out. If you don't try it out, you don't know if you if you succeed and if you, if you don't succeed just it's not that bad what's happiness for you I think I can go to work every day and I love what I do I think this is the, the best thing if I need to go to the office and say oh no 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 I have to do that that I don't like it so I think this is happiness for me and then I'm going back home happy too. And I really like to enjoy time with my family. Yeah. yeah. Great. Okay. So last question. As you know, so this podcast aims to help people in the sports and the outdoor industry to benefit from people like yourself, your experiences. So is there something that we should have covered today or that I should have asked that I didn't? that you would want to share with the audience and listeners? Coming back to the question before, maybe it's only Switzerland, but if you have an idea, these days with with the internet, with e-com, it's more democratic to do things, to start something, to try. If you have an idea of doing something which is special, you will find enough people globally to buy this from you if the idea is good. So just, just do it. Just try. Great. What a great way to finish. Yeah. Cool. Thanks a lot, Dan. No, thank you, friends. I really appreciate your time. I think what you're doing here is great. It's so nice to see um, a kid's brand with, with purpose. Um, and I love where the brand comes from, you know, the story behind it. And uh, I think the ethos of ensuring kids spend time outdoors is so important. I know I did as a child and I encourage my son to. It's, yeah, I think it's, uh, cause it's very easy that we all do get sucked into the screens. Yep. So I think getting that balance and being outdoors is really important. So, so yeah, so thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure and thank uh, you. Yeah, good luck for the future. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. We love to read your feedback, so please leave your thoughts in the comments below. Thanks again for your support. See you soon, and don't forget to subscribe.